0: Hello and welcome in to a new edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. I am your host TJ McBride at MileHighSports.com You can find all of the written content and other content that we produce on the site. Additionally, Mile High Sports is not just Nuggets coverage. It's Broncos coverage, which is in training camp right now. There's the offseason for the Avalanche, which is being covered extensively. You got everything from lacrosse to motorsports. Everything that happens in Colorado that can be labeled under sports is written about and discussed on MileHighSports.com. So make sure to find your way over there and read all that awesome content that exists out on the website. I'm going to get into a few interesting topics today on the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. I'm going to just give a quick news update. Just and how it pertains to the Nuggets. And then what I want to talk about is just how the betting circuit does not really like the Denver Nuggets in the way that these things are being perceived. I'll try and give some Devils advocate reasoning as to why these decisions were made just to at least give some transparency, but i got to be very honest. Even though I'm not a fan of the Denver Nuggets, these seem kind of like disrespectful numbers to a degree. So we'll talk about the Nuggets over-under win total, which was put at 50 and a half. And Then I also want to talk about how Nikola Jokic's MVP odds are also just in a very strange spot. What I'm going to do is I'm going to break down all the teams in the Western Conference as to why the win total could be so low, but I'll also talk about the teams that the Nuggets are behind in terms of win total and why the Nuggets could and potentially should end up higher than them in regular season seeding in the western conference then when I get into the MVP odds I'll talk about Jokic's odds I'll talk about the players around him I'll give this the overall ranking that they had put out there which was like 16 different players and I'll basically tier it out by which ones I understand which ones I can play uh give an argument for and something I just don't understand whatsoever so I may rant a lot in this podcast, so beware of me just yelling, you know, doing the whole old man yells at clouds kind of podcast format, but it is frustrating to see a team as talented, as young, and as up and up and coming as the Denver Nuggets still get overlooked despite the season that they had last season. So I'm going to get into all of that, but before I go any further, I got to give some love to the Regulators Production Group for reaching out and putting together some fantastic beats for the intro and outro of this podcast. It just wouldn't sound as good without them, so for any audio production needs, Make sure to find your way to Instagram and look up at Regulators Regime. If you're looking to reach out to an individual, at Rod Simba, that's R-O-D-S-Y-M-B-A, is one of the three members of the Regulators Production Group, and he will also be able to assist you with anything you need. Additionally, this podcast is powered by Mile High Sports. It is the home of this podcast. So go to milehighsports.com. And also, uh, thank you to Terrapin Care Station for being the benefactor of this podcast. Without them, there wouldn't be a Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast, so make sure you go out And for any of your cannabis needs, go head up Terrapin Care Station. So before I go any further, here is a quick little bit of a longer word from Terrapin Care Station. get these quick couple little news pieces out of the way because it's not much at all first and foremost Kevin Love has withdrawn from the USA World Cup team so that leaves now again a better opportunity for Paul Millsap to eventually make that roster I outlined in my last podcast how the FIBA World Cup USA team's roster is kind of shaking out and how the other international teams kind of stack up against a very vulnerable USA team to be completely honest and it's interesting to see if how Paul Millsap would make the team and Kevin Love, being another power forward who could potentially take up his minutes, bowing out and withdrawing is a or withdrawing, not withdrawing, uh, is a big deal for his odds to potentially play for the USA team in the World Cup. So that is an interesting little piece of this conversation. That, again, we don't know for sure. We're gonna have to wait and see until the final rosters are announced, the final 12-man rosters. But it does seem like three other players, I believe, if my math is correct off the top of my head, would need to withdraw or be cut for Paul Millsap to make that team the second piece of news the last piece of news is Brandon Goodwin who was a two-way player with the Nuggets played in Summer League was here last year was a good locker room guy a lot of players really liked him some good scoring acumen I still don't quite think he's an NBA player he's close he's on that fringe level but the Atlanta Hawks ended up giving him a contract so good for Brandon Goodwin it's awesome to see guys get more and more opportunities in the NBA so hopefully that works out very well for him that's all I got for news. I'm not trying to go too in depth with those two topics. What I am trying to go in depth with is the fact that the betting circuit does not like the Nuggets. So, let's just start here. The Nuggets over under for their total wins going into the 2019-20 season was set at 50 and a half. I guess this isn't massively disrespectful. There is an argument to be made that it makes some sense, but there are more, plenty more arguments to, to really argue against this idea that their over-under should be at 50 and a half. First of all, Denver won 54 games last year as a top three most injured team in the NBA and as the youngest second seed ever. Ever, they were the eighth youngest playoff team ever. So when your average age on the team is like 25 and a half, and you win 54 games despite three starters being out for a month, there's going to be some questions as to why this number is so low. Additionally, the Nuggets have who could be perceived as a top five, if not for sure, a top 10 NBA player in Nikola Jokic, as well as young talent who is just waiting to burst at the seams in terms of Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Michael Porter Jr., even Bol Bol. There's so many players that just haven't. Been the best version of themselves. That still, despite that fact, the Nuggets won 54 games. But this is not rare. The fact that the Nuggets are kind of looked at as a team that is worse than they are. If you go back the past four years, this is how it's been. In 2015-16, their over/under was set at 27, and Denver won 33 games. In 2016-17, their over/under was set at 34 and a half wins, and Denver won 40 games. In 2017-18, they were set at 45 and a half, and Denver barely eclipsed that number with 40. And then last year was at 47 and a half, and Denver won 54 games. So if this trend continues, it which it seems like it like it probably will. Projecting anything over 50 wins is tough to do, just because there is so much randomness in the NBA, and there are so many good Western Conference teams. But it does seem like there's a pretty real trajectory here, and the Nuggets are likely to go over that 50 and a half. So I would say that's good value. But let's talk about why it's so low. Because I think there's some overarching themes in the Western Conference that have a big play on to, as to why the Nuggets over-under is so low. And it's really because I think there's just going to be less wins to go around in the Western Conference. Of course, Utah is, is going to be better. The Lakers are going to be better. The Clippers are going to be better. Houston, who knows? They'll be either the same, worse, or better. But they'll be a playoff team. The Warriors are still the Warriors. There's a lot of teams in the West who are still either as good or getting better. Golden State took a step backwards. But again, they have the greatest shooter of all time. Klay Thompson, the second greatest shooter of all time, coming back sometime, sometime around January. And Draymond Green, who has a real argument as the greatest defender ever. So let's not get too crazy about you know underrating the Golden State Warriors. But where this gets interesting, in my opinion, is the lower, um, the lower level teams in the Western Conference all got better. And that's going to make this very, very interesting. I could make an argument that every team that did not make the playoffs last year in the Western Conference improved in some capacity. So the Pelicans will no longer, let's just start, I, I just randomly have them listed here. There's no reason or rhyme as to why I listed them in this order. Um, it just came into my head this way. Uh, The Pelicans are going to be decent. They won't have this chaos of the Anthony Davis situation hovering over their head, and they have actual talent on their roster. They have Zion Williamson as their blue-chip recruit. Drew Holiday could be an all-star next year. Derek Favors is a very, very helpful player. Lonzo Ball is a good defender and a high-upside player, despite the fact that I still don't necessarily believe in him as an all-star type player. Brandon Ingram could be a good role player or blossom into an all-star one day. J.J. Redick is just an incredible locker room guy and one of the most shooters in basketball. Josh Hart gives you a little bit of everything. Jackson Hayes is just a freak athlete as a backup big that you can play, and you still have wings like Etuan Moore and Kenrich Williams, who are real players. So I do think the Pelicans are going to steal some wins from teams like Utah, like the Clippers, like the Nuggets, like Houston, just because they do have that talent on their roster to make things interesting. The same thing can be said for Oklahoma City despite the fact that they traded Paul George and Russell Westbrook. I know that seems like a wild statement to make, but Chris Paul, Steven Adams, Danilo Gallinari, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and Andre Roberson are going to defend their ass off. They have enough scoring, and they have a little bit of depth with Nerlens Noel, Mike Muscala, and Dennis Schroeder. So while they're not going to be good, and I'm not making an argument that any of these teams are going to be good, they're going to steal wins from the upper echelon teams in the Western Conference. Hell, even even the Suns have actual NBA te- players on their roster for the first time in like a decade. Devin Booker, Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio, DeAndre Ayton, Dario Saric, Aaron Baines, Miles Bridges, Elio Kobo who I still have a soft spot for as a backup point guard. Those are real NBA players. They are actually going to make the Suns a real NBA team next year. Again, they're not going to be good, but they're going to steal wins that they did not get last year. The Mavericks, same thing. Luka Doncic, maybe Kristaps Porzingis at some point. Tim Hardaway Jr., Dwight Powell, Wow. DeLon Wright, Maxi Kleber, who was a massively underrated player, same with DeLon White, uh, Seth Curry, Boban, J.J. Barea, Jalen Brunson, they have players. These are not teams that are just going to be falling off a cliff in the Western Conference. The whole idea of tanking in the Western Conference is going to look so different next year, in my opinion. I do not anticipate these teams trying to fall off a cliff. I think the even lottery odds change things for these teams. are trying to build teams with young talent, but good veterans who can bring guys along around you know multiple teams in the NBA and it doesn't stop there Minnesota missed the missed the uh, the playoffs last year but they still have Towns they still have Wiggins Jeff Teague is still a good player Robert Covington's a hell of a defender they drafted Jarrett Culver who's a very very good player Josh Kogi is taking big steps Noah Vonleh had a much better year last year with the Knicks and Jordan Bell gets a new opportunity somewhere else the Kings almost made the playoffs last year Harrison Barnes is a good player DeAaron Fox is a good player Dwayne Dedman's going to fit really well there Trevor Ariza is an interesting veteran to add Marvin Bagley's got crazy upside. Corey Joseph, who will probably be in the backcourt on Team Canada with Jamal Murray, is a helpful veteran point guard. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich is a freakish shooter. Nemanja Bialica is a very versatile big wing player. Buddy Heald has been lights out as a shooter. And you still have Rashawn Holmes. And this is without even talking about the Spurs or Memphis, who, again, the Spurs got DeMar and LaMarcus Aldridge. They get DeJounte Murray back from injury. Derek White's a good player. Bryn Forbes is a good player. Rudy Gay's a good player. Patty Mills is a good player. Damari Carroll's a good player. Lonnie Walker could be a good player. And then you have Memphis, who still have Jaron Jackson Jr., John Morant, Andre Iguodala, Jonas Valanciunas, Tyus Jones, Kyle Anderson, Jay Crowder. They drafted Brandon Clark. And they got guys like Dylan Brooks, Josh Jackson, and Dwight Howard, who could potentially be X-Factors for their team. Again, none of these teams, Memphis, San Antonio, Sacramento, Minnesota, Dallas, Phoenix, Oklahoma City, New Orleans, they're not going to be good teams, but they are real NBA teams, and because of that, they are going to steal wins from other teams in the Western Conference. They're not going to just roll over and die. This is not playing the Phoenix Suns of old. This is not a Memphis Grizzlies team that is basically revolting and does not care anymore. This is a fundamentally different Western Conference where the talent has been sporadically spread around each team whether you're at the doldrums of the western conference or at the very very tippy top there is talent everywhere now and because of that i would anticipate the entire western conference having an overall lower win total the person who has the one seat in the west may have 53 54 wins next year that wouldn't surprise me and i wouldn't be surprised if there's no team below 31 wins in the west like it's one of those years where there's going to just be a lot of competent NBA teams in the western conference so with that being said again denver is is not a a 50-and-a-half win team based on what they accomplished last year and based on the fact that they have consistently uh, proven that they will outperform their Vegas over-under for the past four years. So we'll see. Again, it does make sense if you use the argument that the Western Conference has gotten better, which it has. I get that, but I still think Denver is better than 50-and-a-half wins. Um, I'm going to take a quick break real quick, and we will come back and talk about Nikola Jokic's MVP odds. All right, this is where I fully do not understand how on earth these odds come to be. So according to Odd Shark. Nikola Jokic is ninth in odds to win MVP going into next season. Um, I'll list off the 16 players in order right now. I know it's going to be a list of names, but number one, they have Giannis plus 300. Number two, they have Steph Curry plus 500. Number three, Harden plus 700. Kawhi, four plus 800. LeBron 5 plus 900, Anthony Davis 6 plus 1,000, Embiid 7th plus 1,200, Luka Doncic 8th plus 1,600, Nikola Jokic 9th plus 1,600, Carl Anthony Towns 10th plus 2,000, Dame 11th plus 2500. Then you have Paul George at 12th, which is also at 2500, and Russ at 13th, also at 2500. Then Donovan Mitchell is 14th plus 3300, tied with Kyrie, who was 15th at plus 3300. And then just for fun, apparently, they added Zion to this list at plus 5000. This list is absolutely disrespectful to multiple players on this list. And it blows my mind that somehow Luka Doncic is ahead of Nikola Jokic, Damian Lillard, Paul George, Russell Westbrook, Kyrie Irving by himself in Brooklyn. Okay, I love Luka. I think he is going to be incredible. I think he can be a top 10 player in the next five years. He is not better or going to be better than those players this year. I don't understand how that makes any sense. But before I start complaining too much about the list itself, I'm going to get into just comparing the other players ranked in this area. But I wanted to talk about Nikola Jokic first because that's really where this rant begins is I look at this list and I see Nikola Jokic is ninth and I about threw my computer at the wall. Not even because again, I'm not a nuggets fan. This is blasphemous. First of all, he led the Nuggets in points, rebounds, assists, steals, free throws attempted, minutes played. Was second in blocks. Was a first team All NBA center over Joel Embiid. Had 12 regular season triple doubles, which was more than the dunks he had on the year. And then he averaged 20, like oh, just over 20 points a game, just over 10 and a half rebounds, and just over seven assists. Players who have ever averaged 20 points, 10 and a half rebounds, and seven assists a game in a full season is Russell Westbrook twice, Wilt twice, Oscar Robinson, and then Nikola Jokic this year. To put him on the same level as Luka Doncic is absolutely insane. To have him plus 400 worse than Joel Embiid is absolutely insane. I do not understand that. And then when you add in the fact that Jokic was fourth in MVP voting last year and there was a real argument for him to be third that he had missed three starters of his, uh, 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 on the team for a month that they were the youngest ever second seed to be it in the playoffs and the eighth youngest playoff team ever in NBA history and they did it with Nikola Jokic running the entire show and all you do is make him ninth? That to me doesn't make mathematical sense. I don't get it. So let's just go into how these other players fit Wow, I'm clipping the shit out of this podcast because I'm yelling too much right now. I will fix that later. Um, But so there, there are four players that make sense to me. Giannis is on a team by himself without other stars. Steph Curry will have other stars, but they're not going to be the ball dominant variety. James Harden is James Harden and he is an absolutely just next level offensive player of arguably the greatest offensive player to Potentially play the game. That's how good he has been. And then Kawhi, who showed in the playoffs that he is absolutely a top three player in the NBA. I'm cool with those four. I get it. I'm not asking for Nikola Jokic to be number two or three here. I do think the odds are in his favor for some different reasons, like the fact that the Warriors are so banged up, like the fact that Harden has to fit with Russell Westbrook and there was all this upheaval and um, in Houston. Kawhi is now having to fit onto a new team with Paul George as his as his uh, complimentary star with a whole new tandem of players. So sure, there's arguments that Nikola Jokic could be third behind Curry, or if you really wanted to get wild, you could put him above Curry, which I I don't think he should be number one by any stretch. I think Giannis should absolutely be number one in terms of MVP odds right now. But this is where I start getting lost. LeBron at plus 900, I get it, it's LeBron. That's really, I think, I think it's just the prestige that has him fifth on this list. Anthony Davis after him. Again, Davis puts up just stupid numbers. He's probably the most skilled player in the league in terms of being able to do a little bit of everything on every part of the floor at his size. So... Sure, I can get it, but LeBron and Anthony Davis are going to cannibalize their own votes. This is not going to be a situation in which one of them plays 80, or which either of them play 80 games. They're both going to play 65 to 70 games. There's going to be load management. They're going to take points from each other. They're going to take touches from each other. So to have them five and six like that is strange to me and then again Joel Embiid the only argument that I can hear is that he'll just have more counting stats than Nikola Jokic which in MVP conversations does carry weight so I can understand the argument for those three players despite the fact that I still don't necessarily agree that Nikola Jokic isn't in that tier he should be at least in the top seven and the fact that he is ninth tied with Luka Doncic is absolutely insane to me. This is where I get to the like, what the fuck is going on part of this process, which is the third tier, which is eight Luka, nine Jokic, 10 Carl Anthony Towns, 11 Damian Lillard, 12 Paul George, 13 Russell Westbrook, 14 Donovan Mitchell, 15 Kyrie, and then 16 Zion. For me, I really kind of cut this into two other tiers. Um, the Donovan Mitchell, Kyrie Irving, and Zion tier, I don't even know why it's included to be fully honest. Um, Donovan Mitchell could have one of those kinds of year. I'm not betting on it. Kyrie should be higher than this because he's not going to have Kevin Durant, but he has so much upheaval around him and he has to prove it again and Zion shouldn't even be on the list. It's that next section, that third section. The Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic, Carl Anthony Towns, Damian Lillard, Paul George, Russell Westbrook. That gap is weird. First of all, Luka Doncic does not deserve to be in there unless for some reason they become a five seed next year and he averages 27, 6 and 6, which isn't out of the question. There is a you know a you know non zero percent chance that happens. He doesn't belong on this list. And again, I am as high on Luca as anybody. I think he could potentially be a top 10, top 5 player in the league at some point in his career. But this is not where he should be. Be. The fact that him and Nikola Jokic have the same odds, it's just bewildering to me. I don't know how to analyze that in a common thought process sense. And then you have Carl anthony Towns below Jokic, that's fine. I'm cool with that. Damian Lillard being plus 500 less valuable than Carl anthony Towns or Luka Doncic is blasphemous. Luka... Okay, so Jokic and Dame should be in that top seven category. One of LeBron and Anthony Davis should not be there. Jokic should be over Embiid, and you should have Damian Lillard in that group. I don't understand how he is this low. To be five, plus 500 worse value than Carl Anthony Towns, Have like that's just... It's weird to me, and it doesn't make sense. And then you have Paul George, which, whatever, he'll get his votes cannibalized by Kawhi Leonard, and then Russell Westbrook, which, same thing, he'll get his votes cannibalized by James Harden. I get why they're there, I just don't see them as any real opportunity to be on the same level as Damian Lillard, because Damian Lillard, Paul George, and Russell Westbrook have the exact same odds at plus 2,500. That is just wild to me. I, I don't get it. I think it's wrong. I think Nikola Jokic, especially at these numbers, is the... The odds-on favorite for MVP in terms of value and let's just talk about the fact that The Nuggets are bringing back 98% of their minutes played last year between their players, so their continuity is better than any team in the NBA right now. Everyone knows how to play with Nikola Jokic, and the scheme is built for him. There is no upheaval. There is very little integration, and the integration they do have is Jeremy Grant, who fits like a glove into the Nuggets' uh, schematic systems. So I don't get this. I think it's completely wrong. Um, We'll see what happens. I'm not usually one to take such hard stances, but I don't get this. I fully do not understand this. But I'm done ranting. This has been enough of me ranting on this podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. The numbers have been going up. Thank you, everybody, who has been catching on, sending it to their friends, sharing it on Twitter, subscribing on whatever listening platform you use, leaving reviews, all of those things. It really, really helps the show, and please continue doing it. This has been the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. I am your host, TJ McBride, and we will talk to you later.